Well, 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 wouldn't you know it's the beginning of summer and we get a good old-fashioned well-known parable about agriculture to kick off the season. Of course, if you grew up in the church, uh, the parable of the mustard seed is probably very familiar to you. I know I can think back to many arts and crafts projects in Sunday school with tiny mustard seeds glued onto construction paper and all of us asked to draw the biggest tree or shrub we can possibly imagine. Although somehow this kingdom parable gets conflated in my mind with a teaching about having faith the size of a mustard seed. But this parable isn't really about faith at all. It's about the reign of God. In fact, the parable of the mustard seed and the preceding parable about the growing seeds that we also heard this morning are the only two parables in the entire Gospel of Mark about the reign of God, which I found suspect when I read this fact, so I took a quick scan for myself, and turns out it's true. So maybe there's something here that we should pay attention to. What I find interesting about these two parables in Mark's Gospel is that while they use imagery that people can relate to, they're not the most effective in elucidating any sort of deeper meaning. I mean, sure, there's lessons that, we can, be, that can be learned here, but they're a little bit hard to find. It's just classic Mark. However, I think if we take the two together, there are a few inferences we can make about what Jesus is trying to teach his followers about the reign of God. First, rule number one, it has to be planted. But beyond that, we have no control over its growth or production. In fact, the word used in verse 28 that's translated of itself, the original uh, meaning of that word was by God alone without human effort. The second is that it starts small, like a seed, and its early movement can't, be, can't always be seen or discerned. It happens in darkness and we don't always see it take root. Eventually, the plants become visible and offer a plentiful harvest as well as shade and shelter to the vulnerable. So, it would be fair to say that these parables can be somewhat helpful in expanding our ideas about the reign of God. However, I don't really think that's the most important thing to take away from this passage from this morning. The content of, this, of Jesus' teaching is not new. This was a belief that was already widely held about the, by the Jewish people about the end times, that the reign of God would come, and, and they had an orientation towards the shalom of God. But the idea that the reign, so the idea of the reign of God itself preexisted Jesus. What is new, though, is that he preaches and teaches that it is at hand, that the reign of God is already breaking into the world. So maybe all this seed talk comes into a little bit sharper focus. Ultimately, these are hopeful parables. God's reign is at hand, and it is moving and growing all on its own in ways that are not always discernible to us. All because God loves us, and that love is creative, generative, and it fuels growth whether we can be bothered to help out or not. So if that's true then what's the point of all of this? If God's reign is already breaking in, whether we are ready or not, or whether we are tending to it or not, then what's the point? What's the point of the church or of maintaining Christian practices individually and communally? Brian Stone says in his book Evangelism After Christendom, to speak of God's reign breaking into history 
is to speak also of a people called into being by that reign, and in whom that reign is embodied in habits, practices, disciplines, and patterns that are intrinsically social, practical, and public. Moreover, it is through this that God's reign, by being displayed, is offered to the world. Jesus told a lot of parables in his life, and through each one of them, he asked his followers to expand their imagination beyond the confines of the world that they saw around them, to imagine a new world into being. It was precisely this that got Jesus into trouble and ultimately killed. Jesus asked his followers to expand their ideas about power, about worthiness, about holiness, about, well, everything. And he asked them to start living as if the ideas were a reality. He asked them to start living as though there was a power stronger than the oppressive powers of the government. He asked them to start living as though the poor and sick among them were just as worthy of love as the rich. He asked them to break, break bread with outcasts and sinners. He asked them to start living as though there was an abundance of resources and therefore no need for any one person or small group to hoard money for themselves. He asked them to start living as if they knew like way down deep that they were loved and forgiven. He preached that the reign of God was at hand and his death and resurrection were signs that this was indeed the case. Jesus became something of a parable himself. His resurrection turned the tables on the idea that the destructive powers of this world would have the last word. And just like those parables in Mark's gospel, the story of Jesus doesn't always make sense. But it always calls us to a more expansive imagination of what could be. When the first apostles shared Jesus' message that the reign of God is at hand, alongside the story of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus himself, imaginations were broken open. Dreams about a new world came into sharper focus, and people started to believe that maybe there was a love and a power stronger than death after all. Those first seeds were planted by the sharing of this story in the fertile ground of the human imagination. Now you and I, we are two millennia removed from the person of Jesus himself. But we are called to carry on in sharing the good news that the reign of God is at hand. If only we can dare to imagine it. If only we commit to live our lives as a testament to it. So maybe the point of all of this might just be to practice living into those practices and disciplines, and in so doing, offering God's abundance to the world. When we live our lives individually and communally in such a way that invites others to expand their ideas about the way that the world could be, we carry on the work of Jesus, boldly proclaiming that the reign of God is here and now. And friends, it is no exaggeration to say that this is a matter of life and death. We live in a world that tries to teach us that money, power, and influence are more important than love, justice, and mercy. 
A world that asks us to accept things the way they are. A world that would have us believe that mass shootings, income inequality, poverty, violence, and hatred are just part of the natural order of things. When we stop believing that the life-giving reign of God is breaking in, and we start to believe that the death-dealing ways of this world are the only ways, we turn ourselves over to them. Jesus is asking us to open our imaginations to the possibility of another way. And he asks us to be relentless about planting that seed of imagination in the hearts and minds of those around us by living as though God's reign is already here. And while we're working on that, he asks us to trust that the Holy Spirit is already working unseen mysteries beneath the soil with the seeds that we plant.